Lord is like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and handed over his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each one according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 15. with the time and the giftings that the Father in heaven has given to us? How do we occupy until Messiah comes? That's what is answered for us in the parable of the talents. Just what do we do with all of the blessings that God has given to us through Messiah Yeshua? We'll answer that today. Friends, welcome to another episode of Messiah in Life. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and spending a little bit of time as we study the Word of God together. And we continue to work our way through the parables of Messiah. What are they saying to us? What do they mean? How are they compelling us to a response? What is the expectation that Messiah has for us? What is he commissioning us to do? How is he commissioning us to do it? Who is involved with this commission? Uh, All of this comes through in the parables that he has spoken to us. And the word of God helps us to understand that as it interprets for us and lays before us what our response should be in faith. Even when we perhaps are apprehensive, maybe a little fearful, Maybe we're at times so fearful that we become inactive rather than active for the things of God. Let's continue reading in this parable. I'll begin in verse 16. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 16, that is, Immediately, the one who had received five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same way, the one who uh, gained two gained two more. But the one who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up and brought another five talents, saying, Master, you handed me five talents. Look, I've gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little, so I'll put you in charge of much. Enter into your master's joy. The one who had received two talents also came up and said, Master, you handed me two. Look, I have gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with little, so I'll put you in charge of much. Enter into your master's joy. The one who had received the one talent also came up and said, Master, I know that you are a hard man, reaping where you don't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what's yours. But the master responded, You wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I don't sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you should have bought or brought my money to the brokers, and when I came, I would have received it back with interest. Therefore take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. 
For the one who has, more shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw the worthless servant out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So as we considered previously in uh, part three of the parable series, we talked about the fair employer. And Messiah gives us this parable in order to illustrate the immeasurable goodness and unmerited generosity that is given to us by the Father. And he used images of money, of labor, of management, uh, of a wealthy landowner who gave, who rewarded as his grace bestowed. And it's just a beautiful picture. So regardless of how long we've been serving the Lord, whether it's for 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, 120 years, or just a few seconds, the key element in all of this is faith in him or faithing in him. And that faith in turn causes us to serve him, not with a focus on reward, but rather on pleasing the one who called us to the labor. So that'll play an important part on how we understand the parable of the talents. This parable concerns, again, a wealthy man and three of his servants that he selected. And based upon their ability, he, re- he gives them sums of money to work with until he returns. So in the parallel the parable of the minas and, and Luke 19, the nobleman says to his servants, occupy until I come. And that's a, an important idea to understand with this that we find, this parable we find in Matthew 25. Some having read this, understand occupy to be rulership or inhabiting, conquering, uh, capturing, a very militaristic um, sense. But The underlying Greek doesn't mean this. It means to busy oneself or to trade. So understanding this helps us to understand the meaning behind the parable of the talents. So based upon its positioning, if you look at Matthew 25, we have the parable of the wise and the foolish maidens who open that chapter. And then the judgment of the nations, the separating from the sheep and the goats, we might say. Many have understood this specific parable to be eschatological in meaning concerning the end time. But if we consider it closely, we discover that it's not concerned as much with end times as it is with what we do with our present time. So the question that is raised when we consider it in light of this is how do we behave in the absence of our master and the absence of Messiah Yeshua as we wait for him? What does he tell us to do in the parable of the minas? He says, busy yourself until I come. And to keep us busy, he's given each of us gifts that we're to steward in his absence. So the master in the parable gives his servants a sum of of money freely. He gives it to them. It's a gift to them to watch over until he returns and gives them their reward. So the really the underlying theme of the parable of the talents is stewardship. Stewardship in the teaching of Messiah is a very serious business. And the great Talmudic sage Rabbi Akiva said this, everything in life is given on pledge from God and each person is held accountable before him. So in this parable, the man of wealth gives talents to three servants. Of course, to the first, he gives five talents. 
And that servant went out and worked with them and then presents his master with another five talents. He he is praised. He's allowed to enter in the joy of his master. The second one, of course, receives two talents. And likewise, he goes out and works and trades and earns an additional two talents. And he is also praised and allowed to enter into the joy of his master. But the third one is given only one talent. Clearly, the master knows the servant. He knows, <clears throat> he knows them. He knows what they're capable of. He's no, and he knows what they're likely to do. But yet, he still sends them out on a mission. So that third one who is given the one talent, he buries that talent, and then he simply gives back the talent to his master. And of course, he's scolded. The talent is taken away from him. And then he's cast into outer darkness where it says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not only that, but just prior to the reprimand, he actually rebukes his master in Matthew 25, 24. He rebukes him. So what happened to the third servant? It's clear that all three uh, servants feared the Lord. But fear gripped the third servant to the point of inaction. Fear paralyzed him. But as we see with the other two servants, fear of the master combined with love for him motivated them to do great things with the talents given to them by their master. So fear without love will always leave you lacking. And when we as believers combine faith with our fear and love of the Lord God, that faith allows us to maximize what he has graciously and freely given to us. So the first two servants were given talents by the master according to their ability. And then they went out. They went out in fear. They went out in love. They went out in faith and they risked what they had been given. And they actually increased the holdings of their master. So this isn't an excuse to behave foolishly or impulsively. The master knew the capacity. The master knew the ability and the expertise of his servants. And he expected them to function within that skill set. So it's it's a call to decisive and prayerful action on our part with what we've received and how he has commissioned us and placed us and set us and how he expects us to occupy until he comes to be busy until he comes. The more we use our talents for the kingdom of God, the more he will give us to do. As this is, again, his working through us. At times in the life of faith, it seems that we're not doing much for the kingdom of God. And quite often when I'm confronted with this question, <clears throat> whether it's from myself or from someone else, I often will point to what are we perhaps neglecting that he is immediately before us to do? What is it that seems menial right now, but will lead to greater things? As he says, you were entrusted with a little. Now I'm going to give you much. I'm going to entrust you with much. And sometimes it is those menial tasks, those things that we don't think matter to anyone, can't make a difference to anyone in the world. What does it matter if I do this? The Lord is saying, are you acting in a manner that is faithful to me and how I have set you now so that I will know you'll be faithful in what I set you to in the future? So what we notice from this parable is that there is more or less two types of servants. 
faithful servant who, uh, servants who love and fear their master, who are doing, who are about their father's business, just as Messiah was. And two, slothful or unimaginative, fearful servants who are inactive. So, how do we understand the difference between these two types? And perhaps better understand the message of Messiah Yeshua in our present uh, parable. Well, let's consider a rabbinic parable. This one is called Love and Fear of the King's Servants. And it reads in this way, what is the difference between love and fear? The distinction may be illustrated through a means of a parable. Uh, To what may the matter be compared? The king who had two servants already, we see a parallel to servants. One loved the king and feared him. The other feared the king, but did not love him. The king went into a far country. The servant who loved and feared the king rose up to plant gardens, orchards, and a variety of fruit. The servant who feared the king remained inactive and did nothing at all. Upon return from the far country, the king saw the gardens, orchards, and many varieties of fruits arranged before him according to the design of the servant who loved him. When, who, when the one who loved the king became, came before him, he saw the many varieties of fruits arrayed before him. He was greatly contented in correspondence to the joy of the king. But when the king entered the domain of the servant who feared him, but did not love him, he saw all the desolate grounds which lay before him, and the failure of the servant who feared him. When the one who feared the king came before him, he saw all the desolate grounds which lay before him. He was greatly distressed in accordance with the anger of the king. As it was said, he provides food for those who fear him. This refers to the quality of justice. Hence, you learn that the reward of the one who loved the king was a double portion, while the reward of the one who feared the king was only a single portion. Thus, the one who the ones who worship foreign gods only receive their portion in this world, but Israel merits favor by enjoying her portion in both worlds. There are some who have accepted the Messiah and have a great fear of the living God to the point where they create a rigid boundary to which everything must conform. Otherwise, they will not engage. They will not be involved with anything or anyone. But in order for us to grow in holiness and sanctification and experience His holiness in our lives, we must be actively involved in the lives of people around us. We cannot fear the Lord so much that we become frozen in activity. So, this is a call for really effective service, consistent with the revealed will of God. So, we can't hide the treasure that He's given to us. We can't hide it. We have to use it for some practical good for those who are around us. That's why He has commissioned us. What are we, you know, when He says that you go out and make disciples, the implication is that we have something to teach and we have someone to teach. What a great treasure that is. What a great gift that is. What a great responsibility that is. Go out and make disciples. Go out and teach. Go out and teach what you've learned. Go out and share what you know. Help those who are coming along. Invest in them. Be involved with them. 
And sometimes that is a, you know, a very small group of people, maybe even an individual that the Lord has entrusted to you to groom until the next place that he takes them in life. And sometimes it's many thousands of people spread out around the world. But in all of this, we must be faithful. There's another rabbinic uh, parable that I want to use. It's called the miser. A miser sold all his property and bought a mass of gold, which he buried in a secret place to which he made frequent visits of inspection. Someone had noticed him coming and going and found the treasure and carried it off. And when the miser returned and discovered his loss, he wailed and tore his hair in a frenzy of grief. Someone who saw him agonizing after learning the cause said to him, Don't grieve, my friend. Just take a stone and bury it in the same place and think of it as gold in a vault. Even when the gold was there, you made no use of it. Faithfulness in action is rewarded. The Lord blesses it. Even when it may not be successful as man would measure success today, there is quite often an unrealistic and unbiblical measure of what a faithful life, a faithful life in ministry means. Quite often it's what can be measured, the size of a congregation, the uh, the uh, the size of the facilities, whether it's, you know, the size of the property, the size of the influence you're following on social media. All of these things can be measured fairly easily. The amount of reserve currency your congregation has or your ministry has. That's all easy to measure, but that's not the measure of God's success for us. His success looks at something quite different. How did we invest with those and in those around us? What he has entrusted to us, how did we invest it in those around us? So the man of the well, a man of wealth in the parable of the talents would probably have been more pleased with the servant with the one talent had he attempted to gain more and lost what he had been given. As he was being faithful to the master's desires, he he the master gave him, the Lord gave him those talent, that talent in order to do something with it. So had he lost it in an attempt to gain, I think he would have been much more pleased. So the man of wealth would have been much more pleased in that in that regard. The money that was given uh, that Messiah is speaking of was an enormous sum of money by any measure. As a talent weighed about fifty-seven to eighty pounds. I mean, that's a lot of money. And Yeshua is through this parabolic word, word picture. He's explaining that the great treasure that has been placed within us as believers, as disciples, as his followers, that must be used. It can't be buried away, waiting for those around us to change enough to become worthy of experiencing what we have. We must go out. We can't expect everyone to be where we are in our personal growth and development and preference and so on. We need to be active. We need to be involved. We need to be out. We need to be willing to lose what he has gifted us with in order to gain more for him. So the reality is that what we sow in faith has a guaranteed return. That's how good the Lord is. That he has 
by his grace, his mercy, and his love, divinely appointed us to steward different gifts, different abilities, to use them for his people, for his kingdom, and to help people grow through that. And in the, and in the busy, busyness of life, sometimes that gets set aside. And sometimes we get we become so fearful of heaven that we do not act for the cause of heaven. But we have to be productive for what the Lord has blessed us with. So the Apostle Paul explains it in this way, and we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the excellence of the power might be of God and not of us. Everything that we do, everything that we go out to do with what he has gifted us with, is a display of his power, his might overcoming our limitation, our weakness, our apprehension, our fear, our desire to be inactive, our desire to be unknown, or whatever it might be. It's his power that propels us forward. It's his power that turns the most shy person into the most persuasive orator in the public square. And it's to his glory that we use that which he has bestowed upon us. So let us not bury the treasure that he's given to us. Each one of you, if you're listening to my voice right now, have been given a treasure. He wants you to invest that treasure. He wants you to use that treasure. And you say, well, maybe I'll lose this. And he's saying, that's okay. At least you did something with what I gave you. The measure of success is not according to Madison Avenue or Wall Street. The measure of success was that we faithed to him. And we trusted that he has sent us out. He has sent us out to do all of this work for his glory so that we might enter into the joy of our master, just as we read in this parable. Friends, we live in a day and an age when fear, limitation, and when it seems that the more vulnerable and immovable or stationary or sedentary we might be is is the norm. But that's not what the Lord has called us to, and it's not what He is calling us to. Yes, what He calls us to might make us social pariahs, but He has still called us to it in every age and every season. And as the social mores change around us, His Word is forever settled in heaven. And his word has given us the directive for what we are called to do here while we are on earth for the time that we have, while we occupy until he comes, or should he graduate us before that? So don't become so concerned with losing what he has blessed you with. Don't become so concerned with that that you freeze and that you become immobile. That's not what he wants us to do. So keep pressing forward little by little. Trust that what he has said around you is what he wants you to do. And as you invest in that, he'll continue to increase it. He will bless you more. He will reward you for it. Not in to increase our ego or to increase um, any perspective that we have of goodness in ourselves, but rather to continue to reach out and to be a blessing to those around us. So we all start somewhere. We start where he sets us. 
And if you look around and you say, well, wait a minute, that one has 10,000 and I only have two, be about what the Lord has given to you. It's not about us, it's about Him. And He knows how to use those He has called to Himself and those He has set. And in due time, as we humble, are humbled before Him, He will lift us up and we will see beautiful things done to the glory of heaven. So friends, I hope and pray that something in this podcast today, this study today, the parable of the talents was a blessing to you where you are. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. You're not there by mistake. You didn't miss the exit. You don't have to reroute. You don't have to turn around. You just have to keep pressing into what he has placed before you. And be about that. Because we're all working together. We all have the same master. And we'll continue pressing on to his glory. Hallelujah, friends. I hope and pray that you were blessed. And I hope and pray that you have a blessed week until we meet again. Amen. Thank you for listening. Like, share, all that good stuff, whatever it means. Uh, I'm just blessed that anyone is listening. And I thank you as I see more and more people joining in from around the world. I pray that my American English is not too much of a stumbling block to you receiving what God has purposed for you to receive. Amen. So until next time, friends. May the Lord bless you and keep you in the mighty name of Messiah Jesus. Amen. Amen.